the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. Let's have a good show talking about money investing and more. Shall we? July was a very good month on Wall Street. 2022 had been a very sour year. August is kind of moving in the right direction if you want positivity. Jobs report on Friday brought into focus very clearly recession versus inflation. There's too many jobs really to think that we're going to have a recession right now. Will it happen in your lifetime? You betcha. Every four years, you can almost count on one. It's a regular occurring event that shouldn't freak you out too much because you've been through many of them. But on Friday with the jobs report, we're like, yeah. There's a lot of people working right now. And when we have paychecks, we at least pay our bills, or most of us do. We move it all in the right direction is the thought. Some stories to think about today or things to dig into. There's a lot of headlines that we could play with, like the treasury yield is inverted. Federal Reserve officials saw that jobs number on Friday. We're going to see an inflation number this week. Maybe the next move by the Fed is another 75 basis points. That's the trial balloon they're starting to send out. And when I say trial balloon, I have a belief that when a Federal Reserve member talks, they will say things that might become policy and see how the press reacts to it. I know you're saying that's a little sarcastic. That's a little. Yeah, it is. I know. Bank of England is forecast a recession. The geopolitical tension in the United States and China still feels very palpable and real. Will it lead to World War III? I I think Russia has that claim with Ukraine on some levels. If you look at the economic damage it's causing the world, it's certainly a World War economic war. The Eurozone faces an ongoing energy crisis that's going to come into focus as we get colder and colder and colder. Leading companies are announcing plans to freeze or uh, slow down hiring activity which is a way for tech companies, which have too many workers at this point in time to kind of do a job cut, pull, pull back, right-sizing. The housing market's rolling over. You're seeing 50% of homes in Idaho, Boise, Idaho, and Denver, Colorado now go for price cuts just in one month. Does that mean it's going to fall and become the opportunity of a lifetime? I don't know. I always look at real estate as a 10, 20, 30 year tie up. It's a relationship that is a liability. It is not uh, an asset until it's done. It's, it's, it's tough to quantify. It's not tough to quantify, but for too many people, they see it as an investment when it's really a liability if you have to pay that mortgage payment. So the housing market's rolling over. Mortgage rates are higher. Affordability is hurting home buyers. Consumer business confidence is at record lows. Big inflation number this week. These are the stories that we're kind of dealing with today. 
That's the big picture, to say the least. Um, taking a look at what's happening in the market, stories that are guiding us. NVIDIA lowered second quarter guidance, attributed a lower sell-off in gaming products. Um, sell-through or sell-in, sorry, not sell-off. I was looking at my notes and I saw sell, and I'm thinking sell-through, but that didn't come to my head. Oh, There's resilience today to selling acting as its own catalyst. There's the Senate passing the Inflation Reduction Act, which is worthy of note, in my opinion. But NVIDIA has given us some examples why the stock has fallen in 2022. And you know how I told you Wall Street looks six months in the future. Six months ago, NVIDIA stock was at $300 a share. Then it dumps all the way down to $120. Now it's at $180. And six months later, you're seeing why. The selling in video game product is is cooling. I play some video games with my kids, and um, we have the NVIDIA 3080, and the 4080s coming soon. My son is talking about it, and I'm like, how soon? How much is it going to cost? I'm like, not really excited. I'm like, do you really need it? He goes, no, not really. So there's a little bit of, we have enough. We're a little bit saturated. We bulked up during COVID, so to speak. But that's certainly a story for the day. The markets did open higher today. Out of all the news that's out there, I would have thought, eh, maybe let's take a little bit of time off. Surging stock market is on the verge of signaling a huge move. Let's talk a little bit more about that Senate passing the Inflation Reduction Act. Massive amounts of spending. If we've learned one thing through COVID is when the government spends money, uh, the stock markets tend to go up. Does this one pay for itself? I'm going to let you and your political nuances figure that out for yourself. A little bit too much of a, a media headline. Don't want to go there. But it was a bleary-eyed Senate passing a historic bill. It's got climate change money, $260 billion in tax credits. It's got taxes. The Inflation Reduction Act wants to raise more than $700 billion in government revenue over a decade. It's a 15% minimum tax on mega corporations with meaty profits, a 1% excise tax on share buybacks. It's also plugging the IRS with a ton of money to go after tax cheats. Then there's a healthcare change where the bill includes a suite of changes that are intended to lower drug prices. For the first time, Medicare is allowed to negotiate with the big pharmaceutical companies. Now, the Democrats wanted to cap the price of insulin. That seems like a human right. Like you're born and you got the wrong blood and you can't, you seem, it seems like we should figure this one out better than we have as a country. Uh, people who have diabetes are not all fat. So, and just because you're born with a condition, does that kind of put you in poverty? Like, oh, Rob's got a political, he's gone political. There's a ceasefire in Gaza. I don't really know what's going on in Gaza well enough to talk about it. A fourth man who was Muslim was killed in Albuquerque. A Muslim man from South Asia was the latest victim of a spurt of killings that may be targeting the Muslim community. Again, one of those headlines that doesn't really fall into my inflation, my economics, so I don't go into it, but I go, wow. The government wants to help out airline passengers. The Department of Transportation proposed some new rules for airlines last week after getting pummeled with complaints over delayed and canceled flights. There was a lot of delayed and canceled flights over the weekend. 
This time, not due to COVID, not due to a labor shortage, but due to weather. So the Department of Transportation is playing with a bill that could give full refunds if a flight is delayed by three hours or more. The arrival or departure airport is charged. Uh, if it has to be changed, eh. connections are added to their itinerary. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't like the connections being added to an itinerary. And I have had my flight changed. And I did notice it. Now, in the back of my head, four months previous, I'd said, okay, I'm leaving at 7 a.m. And then it gets changed to 11 a.m. And I was almost packed the night before for the early morning flight versus the afternoon flight. Am I entitled to a full refund? That brings up a lot of questions in my mind. Like, what will the airline do to survive? So that's another thing. Like, our government says that corporate America has to pay a 1% on all stocks that they buy back. What will corporate America do to fight this? Increased dividends is likely the answer. Is that the intended consequence or was it intended to raise money? It's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. The world of unintended consequences and Rob Black and your money in politics all weaving into one show that he feels very uncomfortable talking about. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. So NVIDIA warned on a second quarter revenue mess. The shares are dipping. This has been widely expected for the last six months. Stock has been getting clobbered since January of this year. Money is considered to be smart. In the bond market, it's considered to be the right now smart, whereas in the stock market, it sees things six months into the future. I believe that. If you were to tell me when I was 18 years ago, is that a, a load of poop? I'd say, yeah, that sounds like a load of poop. But what, when Wall Street dips, it's telling me something bad's going to happen, not today, but six months down the road. And then I look at the bond market, and I go, oh, it's telling me something bad is happening today or something good. Worthy of note. Um, markets are doing well today. This week, we're going to get a read on inflation. Is soaring inflation worse than a recession the Fed may trigger? And soaring inflation is a problem. It is a big headline problem that Wall Street does not want to talk about. If you have a family matter that your mom won't talk to you about, oh, I'm not going to talk about Uncle Joe. Not going to do it. Wall Street does not talk, like talking about inflation. Now, Wall Street's pretty good at talking about recessions because they're a statistic to us. Ah, there's a recession every four years. They tend to be normal and healthy. They tend to curb inflation. The story is pretty easy to read. So how aggressive do I want the Fed to be to fight inflation? Aggressive. I'm good with that. It really starts to soak in in the last six months that... You see, okay, 7% headline print, 8% headline print on inflation. You're like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling that. I'm feeling that. I'm going to, I need more income now to meet my, make ends meet. Or down the road when I retire, I'm going to need more retirement like savings. I get it. I, I totally, that has sunk in. But last week and the week before, when the government started playing with social security numbers that you're going to get in retirement, I'm like, that's a pretty big jump. I feel rich. And then I'm like, yeah, but I'm not really feeling inflation as bad as I should be feeling it because I've, I've got plenty of cash flow. I won't have as much cash flow when I'm retired. So that it starts to get psychologically in your head. 
is soaring inflation worse than a recession the Fed may cause? And I would say yes. Let's do another argument, renting versus owning. Is renting the wrong choice? I don't think it is. For many Americans, I'm convinced that a group of real estate agents or builders organizations play a role in planting the idea that home ownership is the key ingredient for the American dream. And I don't think it has to be. One of the primary reasons some people decide not to purchase a home is they'd have to give up too much to become homeowners. They would become house poor. And they don't want the ability to go get great sushi to be nixed because you have a budget on your home. Some people want to walk to entertainment venues and don't want to buy next to one because they're too expensive. You want to own a pool? No, no. You want to use someone else's pool. Pools are expensive to own. Gyms are expensive to own. So why else would you want to rent instead of buy? No repair or maintenance cost? I'm good with that one. There's a square foot rule in home ownership that says you should budget for your home maintenance. You should put away $1 for every square foot of livable space. So if you have a 2,100 square foot home, you'll need 2,100 or $175 a month extra to maintain the home. I, I, I see where that's coming from. When I moved into a bigger home, the, the yard maintenance went up significantly. The electricity went up significantly. Why else would you want to rent instead of own, own a home? Cheaper insurance. In this day and age, it's like some people are like, I want to own a home. And I'm like, no, I don't think you do. You haven't seen my mortgage costs. You haven't seen my insurance costs. You haven't seen that I'm tied to it. That when I go on vacation, I can't like go for three months and live in one place and not live in two places at the same time with the cost of living. Homeowner's insurance is expensive. Renter's insurance is 60 to 70 bucks a month. Homeowners is easily 200 plus a month. And also one of the nice things about renting versus owning is flexibility. Um, in the middle of a recession, you can get up and move. In the middle of a pandemic, you can get up and move. In the middle of a job crisis, you can get up and move. Don't miss an episode of The Rob Black Show. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. A personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP services were built with you in mind. How can they help you? Find out at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. Maverick Top Gun. Have you seen it? Have you heard about it? Was, was he dead at the start of the film? Did he die in that experimental plane flight? I think he did. Because everything else was just too weird to believe after that. I know. I know. You're saying that's the, the literary critic inside of you, Rob, coming out, isn't it? What I like about Maverick Top Gun is talking about it feels weird. It feels nice to get back to talking about stupid stuff. It feels like we are moving through this pandemic, and I don't know. Uh, it's certainly frustrating. Uh, I saw a little Bill Maher clip where he melts down on the response to healthcare and the pandemic, and he, he wants his rights. And I'm like, I want my parents' rights. And 
we're a society and like it just feels we're never gonna get it to a conclusion here but it's nice that we're talking about entertainment top gun has overtaken titanic to become the seventh highest grossing movie ever in the united states box office earning 662 million in ticket sales i know we're talking about seventh place being a great story weird right Maverick surpassed Gene Cameron's Titanic by more than 3 million to become the seventh biggest film in the United States. Again, in the United States, not worldwide. Uh -uh. So that's kind of interesting, right? We could look at the story from multiple angles. Tom Cruise's highest grossing film of all time or Paramount's number one movie in the box office. And you think about Paramount as a big movie studio who they've had to have bigger than this. Nope. Mavericks earn more than $1 billion at the global box office, but it's really trailing the global appeal that Titanic had with a global audience. So give Maverick credit. He's done well in a year where he's competing with Doctor Strange and Spider-Man and Jurassic Park, which for the record, I'm getting further and further away from that movie. Dinosaurs, you added theme parks. We've seen everything we could possibly see in, uh-oh, the dinosaurs got out of control. I don't know. I get the feeling we'll see another one. Anyhow, and anyway, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Let's get to some of the other stories out there. Ad spitting in TV and news is going on the downside. So Meta, Snap, Twitter, Alphabet all reported slumping advertising revenue. Now it's the TV and news companies that are, are, are reporting earnings, and they're basically saying the same thing that Meta, Snap, Twitter, and Alphabet all reported. Corporations like Gannett, America's largest newspaper publisher, cut its profit outlook in adverti for advertising and marketing revenue. Warner Brothers Discovery slashed its full-year profit guide guidance for 2023 from $14 billion to at least $12 billion citing advertising slowdowns. Now, what's interesting is during traditional or typical recessions, traditional media and formats such as TV, they focus on brand advertising, having notably underperformed online advertising. So is there any place to hide in the advertising spending world? And the answer is, nope, not really. Tesla, plug power, and other clean energy stocks are on the rise on the climate bill's Senate passage. You're seeing First Solar, Sunrun, Vestas Wind Systems, Plug Power, Bloom Energy all do well today. Tesla and Lucid all are gaining Rivian. Zero emissions truck company Nikola rose today as well. I don't know. Do you want to invest following a Senate bill? Or do you want to invest in demographics of the world? Do you want to invest in capitalism in the United States? Do you want to invest in volume, volume, volume of growing numbers of taxpayers in Asia? I, I don't have your theme for you. I don't have your story. And I'm not going to break into song, the story of my life. I'm not going to do it. One of the things we recently learned is video game makers had a miserable second quarter. As the pandemic gaming boom has hit a wall. It's interesting to watch because um, there's a little bit of a war going on with Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft. And how they're saying, you know, no, 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 no. Um, we did really well. The only one who's really saying that right now is Nintendo. 
talk a little bit more about that. Sony reported 2% decline in sales year on year. Operating profits dropped 37%. So sales down 2%. Operating profits down 37%. That's a pretty big drop. So did Microsoft and Xbox do a little bit better? COVID hit everyone in the same kind of way. It was one of the biggest beneficiaries gaming was because of COVID. Publishers experienced bumper growth. They reissued old titles. They drew in an audience that was captive due to a flu and pandemic, right? Activision Blizzard is being acquired by Microsoft. Activision Blizzard reported a 70% plunge in net profit and a 29% drop in revenues. Um, Call of Duty was their recent Call of Duty was just people are getting a little bit tired I think of the World War II theme we'd rather have smart missiles and run around like with robots and drones but people are getting a little bit tired of the World War II story Ubisoft the firms that is behind the beloved product of Assassin's Creed posted 10% decline in net bookings everyone saw numbers rise during shelter in place and the older catalog getting thrown out and like oh i should play demon slayer or i should play demons born or i should pay play demon soul because there's a new demon soul demons bane demon slayer coming out <clears throat> so it's fair to say that a lot of the video game companies are facing impossible comparables but it's also fair to say that there's a contraction going on. The hardware is not selling as well as it used to be. It's now two plus years old. In theory, it should be easier to get. So we're still looking at numbers of like Nintendo Switch. They sold 3.4 million units of the Switch during the current quarter, down 23% year over year. But software sales also slumped 8.6%. Sony is talking about the PlayStation 5. They sold 2.4 million PlayStation 5s in the last quarter. Slightly higher than the 2.3 million they sold a year ago. It's fair to say that the slow rollout of the hardware is one of the biggest contributors to game developers pushing forward with big budget releases. They want to get the games in the newest generation to as many people as possible or sell into the older generation. And that kind of creates a contradiction to how you're going to spend your, your product development money. It's not easy. Anyhow, video game update. Um, they too should be hitting a bottom and coming up with more normal comparisons as we are going back to see Top Gun Maverick. We are going back to movies, although the movie industry seems to not have a blockbuster every weekend right now. And what's really kind of interesting is um, I, I, I have a family with kids, right? <clears throat> and kids like to see movies, right? Popcorn, right? Two or three hours away from the home, cold air conditioned room. Love it's it's heaven. There's not a lot of blockbusters coming out. So I've been looking at Netflix every week and going, oh boy, why do I even pay for this? Like, oh boy. And it gets very, very frustrating for a lot of people. And then we look at our bills and you know, there is one app I want to plug right now. <clears throat> True Bill. I've talked about it on air a couple of times. It's a weird one. It you have to feel comfortable putting your spending into it. So if you have a bank account, 
I have a primary bank account and I've got a primary two credit cards. I had no problem punching them into, linking them into an app. There's that weird little process where you have to contact the institution and type in your password one more time. But Truebill instantly kicked out, oh, you've got a subscription to 25 subscriptions. Everything from Instacart to cable TV to satellite radio to um, Paramount Plus. Why did I have Paramount Plus? I asked the spouse and she goes, oh, I think I got a movie six months ago. I'm like, whoa, 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 what? Yeah, the kids wanted to watch something, so I, I got it on a free trial. I'm like, ah. So Truebill does a pretty nice job of, of seeing those. And this is where it gets kind of weird. Then it says, do you want us to contact Paramount Plus and cancel for you or Sirius XM Radio and get a lower rate for you? I'm like, sure. <clears throat> I want to keep Sirius XM. I don't want to keep Paramount Plus, so I cancel and Truebill does what it says it's going to do. Um, instead of paying $19.99 a month for satellite radio, it's cut down to about $4. And they're like, if we save you $200, we get 30%. I'm like, I'm good with that. And then at the end of it, they also monitor every month to see any new subscriptions come on. And if you're aware of them, do you still want BarkBox, Rob? Do you still want Etsy or whatever it is that brings clothes to my spouse. Um, and they charge, what do you want to pay? And the scale is like $3 a month to $100 a month. I'm like, three? So if they get a big deal for you, like a Sirius XM where you sign a two-year deal and you reduce your rate from 20 bucks a month to three bucks a month, they get a cut of that action. I think that's pretty cool. And if... You want to see your, all your subscriptions, all 25 of them, and you didn't know you had 25? You name your own price, and then you can cut the service and come back to it in six months to see if subscriptions had subscription creep on you. I think it's pretty well done. So it's called Truebill.com. <clears throat> it's Truebill, the app, but they are changing their name because a lot like everyone else in financial services, they see more verticals to come. Like credit cards, probably. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Find us at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. There's at least five different versions of me. And no, I'm not going into some superhero time trippy identity crisis. I wish that would be fun. But there's at least five different versions of me. I think there's an East Coast Rob and then there's a West Coast Rob. And East Coast Rob existed 25 years ago. West Coast Rob is last 25 years. And it slowly gets in my creep in my mind. When I saw the climate and package, the climate and tax package that the Senate passed, and I saw a lot of tax credits, I was like, okay, why are tax credits? Oh, yeah, tax credits are good because they tend to encourage a company to get into a space to take advantage of those credits. And when they get into that space, they spend money. Hopefully, they're getting some sort of economic advantage out of it. I think the climate and tax package is pretty epic. And what's one of the reasons the stock market's higher today? It's a big spending package. It's funded, in theory, out of taxes, a 1% excise tax on stock buybacks. I wonder how corporate America will change their behaviors because they will. There'll be unintended consequences. Will it make more dividends? Don't know. There's a 15% minimum tax on companies like Apple who have. You look at their tax liability, and you're like, how did you whittle that down to zero? 
well, closing some tax loopholes and saying, okay, even if you hit all the tax loopholes, we're still going to charge you 15% minimum tax. That seems to have Republican and Democratic support. Again, these are all worded. So sometimes they run out the year after the next election, sometimes the year before, two election cycles ahead. Like, it's not going to be our problem. We have to figure out ways to fund this in the future. But the climate tax package is going hand in hand with a European investment in climate. And it's going to change how energy is produced at a historic shift. It's interesting when I told you about East Coast Rob and West Coast Rob. And I'm wondering if you have any of these personalities yourself. I could tell you old Rob, young Rob. I could tell you Rob who used to listen to a lot of you know financial radio or talk radio, which became financial radio. You get educated different ways, right? But East Coast Rob versus West Coast Rob. East Coast Rob used to look at solar powers. Oh, there's a lot of hippies in San Francisco and tree huggers in California. And now solar panels, I could literally walk down my street and tell you it's going to be about 50-50. Now, I live in an area with high penetration, with a lot of wealth. So they're going to be more likely to spend forty dollars to $60,000. What's interesting is the payback period on my solar system on top of my house, it was about five years when it got installed a year ago. It's already down about four years to break even. Then it's free energy after that. So I've cut my electricity use because I've learned how to use electricity better, but also because I have the solar battery saving it and I got solar panels generating it. I've cut my, my electricity consumption egregiously. And that's what this climate and tax package has the ability to do. $370 billion in funding for clean energy. A lot of technologies, like I said, the tree hugging technologies of solar. They, on the East Coast, you would look at like, no, no, we're talking about 5% electric vehicle penetration being 25% now in three years. When money comes in like it does, people take advantage of it. So the taxes, again, I don't know how the unintended consequences are going to play out on this, but I think there will be some. And I like the healthcare aspect of it, I'll be honest with you. As a man who's pushing towards being a senior citizen, uh, and we all are, is what I'm getting at. I looked at what Social Security said last week where they're raising Social Security. I'm like, sweet. And I'm like, no, that's not sweet. It, it means more money for me when I'm very tired. Sweet. I'm like, no, it's not sweet because they're doing it because of inflation, you big dummy. So when I see the healthcare bill allow Medicare to negotiate some prescription drug prices with pharmaceutical companies, there's two or three pills that'll lower your blood sugar. There's two or three pills that'll lower your um, uh, blood thickness. There's two or three pills that'll help you with your, your, your mind. Open it up to competition. If we deem all of them safe as an FDA, if we deem all of them safe, open up to competition and the winner is the consumer. And maybe the winner will be the company that designs the, the cheap. No, that's where we get into the tricky part. You want the pharmaceutical companies to get their profits from somewhere. Are you going to gouge the people with no money in Africa to develop a, an HIV cocktail? Or are you going to say, we're going to do a lot of trials on people with no income. And then we're going to sell a big profit with people with lots of income. Looking at you, United States. Morally speaking, I again, this is where I get very challenged on this show. I'm just talking about Congress and spending bills and what they mean to me as an investor. And as a consumer, the healthcare bill, I'm like, sweet, cheaper drug cost. 
as an investor, I'm like, ooh, one reason not to like Merck, Eli Lilly, and Pfizer. Boo. Well, they make a lot of money off COVID. Yay. One reason to like Merck, Eli Lilly, and Pfizer. Like, you have to have some flags. This isn't the end of the world. But the pharmaceutical companies take a loss on this one. Some lobbyists are going to lose their jobs. Did I ever tell you I went to a lobbyist event? Not a, yeah, I guess, I guess it was a lot. No, it wasn't a lobbyist. It was, um, oh, this is what I want to say. It was a major pharmaceutical dinner for doctors. And it was about COX-2 inhibitors that Merck and Pfizer were making. So it was sponsored by Merck. Pfizer had slightly better data. Merck had slightly worse. So they were throwing down spending. And they would throw a five-course dinner at the most expensive restaurant in town invite 10 doctors that write the most prescriptions and invite me to be entertainment for the doctors to talk about investing. While the drug company, Merck in this case, talked to the doctors about the new pill and how it's great and how the efficacy is better than Pfizer and how both uh, COX-2 inhibitors can save the world. Basically, COX-2 inhibitor was this super aspirin. So as you get older and your joints start to hurt and you're like, oh, my arthritis, you take a super aspirin. And you're like, hey, let's go move a car with my, my arms. But the only problem is they cause a little bit of bleeding in the stomach. Oopsie. That data came out slowly. And the COX-2 inhibitors went bye-bye. But I went to a Merck dinner because they, they paid for a five-course meal for me. And I didn't know at the time I shouldn't do it. It's probably 23 years old and... um. It was a nice dinner. I gave a nice speech, but I also got to see a sales pitch that was a little, how shall we say, shaky, a little bit sus, as my children would say, short for suspect, a little bit. Yes. Yes. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Let's get you to retirement. Let's talk about what's happening in the news and use it to your power. Big number on inflation this week. That's going to be the story of the week, I think. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com